Our scripture reading today is Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, which can be found starting on page 39 of the New Testament in the Red Pew Bibles. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the lake. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue, named Jairus, came, and when he said to him, fell at his feet. And begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years. She had endured much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and come up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhages stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that his power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned into the crowd and said, Who touches my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say, who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing that what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was speaking, some people came forth from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any farther? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Taliath kum, which means, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A little girl asked her father if he was afraid of the dark. He told her he was not. She asked if he was afraid of snakes. He said he was not. 
The little girl asked if he was afraid of long, slimy worms, and her father again told her he was not afraid, not even of long, slimy worms. The girl thought for a moment and then concluded, then the only thing you're afraid of is mom. (laughs) I think maybe I heard that in one of your sermons, my husband, first. (laughs) All these thunderstorms lately have my son a little nervous. Every day he asks me what the weather will be. He's worried about the lightning and he hates the thunder and he comes by it naturally. When I was a kid, I was afraid of everything. I was terrified of tornadoes and by virtue of that fear, afraid of sirens, thunderstorms, the white words that crawl across the bottom of the screen warning of impending weather. I was actually afraid of most everything. I was so afraid of our house catching on fire that when I was a kid, I cut a hole in my parents' screen in their bedroom window so that my dad could just go and put his fingers in the hole and tear it and we could all get out of the second-story bedroom where you could just pull the screen out, but whatever. (laughs) They were very pleased with that. I was so afraid of being kidnapped, because this is the time of the Oakland County kidnappings. I was so terrified of being kidnapped that I kept my parents up late every night, and I would fuss, and I would have to sleep in their room, and finally my dad offered to put bars on my second-story windows. I was afraid of my parents getting divorced, and so many of my friends' parents did. I was afraid of someone I loved dying. I was afraid of strangers. I was afraid when regularly scheduled programming was interrupted by Ronald Reagan and really all the news because I was afraid of nuclear war. As I've gotten older, I'm sure you can imagine that my fears have changed. I found that, though I once loved roller coasters and being up high, I've developed a modest fear of heights and cars going too fast. I'm no longer afraid of tornadoes or thunderstorms, but I still jump across the room and feel my stomach turn a little, and when there's that really loud thunder boom, I can still relate to Ben a little. And I'm still afraid of someone I love dying, a fear that is only compounded after a week like this past one. H.P. Lovett said, The oldest and strongest emotion of humankind is fear. I've come to believe that fear is something that is both learned and innate. As babies, we learn to trust our caretakers. That's the first stage of in Erickson's stages of development, trust or mistrust. The fact that our parents return when they depart, that they are there when we play, when we play peekaboo, that they catch us when we fall, all help us to learn trust. At the same time, the things they tell us about, or the things that they tell us to look out for, the things that we see them afraid of, the comments they make about other people, even the stories they may tell us about how they practice for nuclear attacks by hiding underneath their desks, can shape our fears. Our fears can become so overwhelming to us that we begin to lose touch with reality. Fears of what's different prevent us from trying new things and seeing how God is working to bring something new. Fears of people with different backgrounds or lifestyles prevent us from meeting new people and seeing God in them. Fears of rejection prevent us from truly being the people that God calls us to be. Fears of the unknown and the acceptance of severity prevent us from seeing God's healing power in the midst of life. Fear, or rather the triumph over fear, is at the heart of today's two stories about healing. 
As our story opens, Jesus is on his way to make an emergency house call to a little girl who is dying. No one knows what's wrong with her, but her condition is getting worse by the minute. Her father Jairus is president of the synagogue, a position of prestige and power in the Jewish hierarchy. We can assume he was wealthy and had no doubt tried all medical options available to him, all options that money could buy. As part of the religious establishment, there were many reasons he could have been afraid to go to Jesus. Fear of association with someone not sanctioned by Jewish law. Fear of losing his position. Fear of the unclean that could surround him. Fear of repercussions for breaking Jewish law. But he was desperate. So after exhausting all the other options available to him, by virtue of status and wealth, Jairus sought out this itinerant healer whom he'd heard about. He abandoned any fears related to security and his status and wealth to desperately beg Jesus to come to his house and heal his daughter because those fears were much stronger than any others. And so Jesus changed his direction and headed off with Jairus. And we see that when fear is overcome by faith, Christ brings healing. On his way to Jairus' home, a crowd formed and followed Jesus. In the crowd is a woman whose life was dictated by fear, isolated and excluded by the, family, the faith community's fear of her illness. She, too, has come to Jesus out of desperation. For 12 years, she's been bleeding, a condition which made her unclean, untouchable, and barred her from the community, according to Jewish law. Fear prevented her from leaving her home, and fear prevented the people of God from reaching out to her. She'd already been to all the doctors, and her condition only worsened, as did her money situation. Unlike Jairus, we have no name for this woman. She was a nobody, a vastly lower social standing. She too sought healing from Jesus and and overcame her fears for repercussions that could include being put to death and further isolation for receiving healing. And again, we see that when fear is overcome by faith, Christ brings healing. If you've ever been in fear for the life of your child or someone you love, you must recognize the gut-wrenching desperation that gripped Jairus. He was so desperate that no boundaries or social taboos were important to him now. He was willing to risk ridicule from his colleagues, to venture into the rowdy crowd and throw himself at the feet of this Jesus for whom, in his more rational moments, he probably had little respect. But somehow in this moment, had the faith to risk it all for the sake of healing. And the woman... Can you imagine her desperation, pushed to the margins by society for her medical condition, made to feel dirty, untouchable, and humiliated, fearful of the world around her and the people who rejected her? She had to summon her courage to violate the Levitical laws and overcome her fears through faith. She had to trust that Jesus wouldn't humiliate her or reject her because she touched him making him also unclean, and in fact, jeopardizing the religious purity of the crowd by her very presence. And he didn't. 
Jesus rejected neither Jairus, a man with whom he had very different opinions and understandings of the kingdom of God and the practice of faith, nor the hemorrhaging woman who endangered the crowd just by being there. Instead, he took them as they were, heard or felt their call for help, and brought healing. Jesus saw their desperation and accepted their acts of faith. He knew the fears that they had overcome through their faith, and he brought them healing. Their faith made them well. That's the thing with faith. When we have faith and truly believe in the power of God, we can experience healing. Of course, it may not always work out the way that it did for Jairus and the hemorrhaging woman. Sometimes healing can take different forms. We can be healed by simply giving in and trusting God to be with us no matter what may come. We can be healed by the wisdom and skill with which God has entrusted doctors and caretakers. We can be healed by the touch of another's hand or simply the presence of one sent by God to be with us in the midst of our difficult times. We can be healed by the experience of a loving church offering Christ to us when we we are hurting. We certainly saw that here on Friday and on Thursday as people came in droves to be there for the Madison family. We can experience healing by Christ by being Christ to one another. We can be healed miraculously and we can receive the final healing that comes with death and the promise of new life. But if we allow our fears to overtake us and prevent us from having faith and taking risks to trust God, then whatever healing may come, we may never recognize or feel. After hearing that Jairus' daughter had died, the crowd said to Jairus, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Jesus replied, Do not fear, only believe. How much more enriched might our lives be if we approach everything we do with the eyes of faith? What if when a new venture is offered to us that may change many dimensions of our life, but also has the possibility for great growth and blessing, we live with faith instead of fear? What if we, when we encounter someone who's different from us, maybe in the way that they act or they look, pushing us beyond our comfort zones, but also giving us the opportunity for friendship and a broader understanding of the kingdom of God, We live with faith instead of fear. What if when the news of an illness of our loved one brings worry and sadness and assumptions of the end, but also gives us the opportunity for prayer and companionship and the abiding presence of God, we live with faith instead of fear. We love and serve an all-powerful God, creator of the universe, loving and nurturing parent to us all, savior and redeemer in whom we live and breathe, and in whom we can live with faith or fear. When we live in faith, we choose to believe in the power of God's healing touch. When we live in fear, we might not ever know or recognize that healing power. Living in faith will fuel us for the future, give us strength and assurance each day, and be a legacy to our children, grandchildren, and all those who we've loved, that they too might live in faith and know Christ's healing touch. I read of a man who died and left all of his possessions to his children. The heritage was carefully listed in the will, but a final paragraph made that will different from many others. This is what he wrote. 
I desire also to bequeath to my children and their families my testimony to the truth and preciousness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This heritage of the Christian faith received in unbroken line from the apostles and prophets and martyrs is of infinitely more value than any house or automobile or land or material possession. I hereby bequeath it to them all. Trust in God and the life that God has given through Christ. There are many things that we can pass on to our children, our fears, our prejudices, our views, but we also have the power to pass on to them our faith in a God who loves us, forgives us, and heals us. We can share the power of the one in whom we have no fear, the one in whom we have the power to overcome our fears, the one who teaches us not to fear, but to have faith and know that when fear is overcome by faith, Christ brings healing. Amen.